you're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the first in our new series called Business Matters, all about business right across the north of England, why it's important, the benefits, the opportunities, the challenges that we've seen, and of course, the growth. So to kick us off today, my guest is Peter Kennan. He is the Transport for the North Local Enterprise Partnership Board Member for the South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority, and he is the Private Sector Board Member for Transport and the Environment. Hello to you, Peter. Hello. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Jolly good. Yes, we're all good here. Thank you. All good. Um, Peter, could you kick us off by introducing yourself, giving us a little bit about your uh, career and your background and your work on the role of on the uh, TFN boards? Uh, I'm Peter Kennan. Um, my day job um, was up until 2016 full time as a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. Uh, I started work uh, as a trainee accountant back in 1980 in Sheffield and then I progressed through my career. Um, I became a partner in a accountancy practice in Sheffield and with an office in Doncaster in 1989 all the way through from 1989 up to my retirement in 2016 I was uh, full-time advising particularly smaller and medium-sized enterprises which make up the backbone of our economy here. I've always had a keen interest in transport and I was given the opportunity to chair Sheffield Chamber of Commerce's Transport Forum, uh, a role I carried out for around 10 years actually. And that brought together business representatives, uh, public sector members and operators of uh, our transport system around South Yorkshire and beyond. Uh, In 2018, I joined the South Yorkshire Local Enterprise Partnership Board uh, and Transport and Environment was my thematic area, uh, particularly because I had an interest in transport. Uh, And at the same time, I joined the Transport for the North Board. So that the role of the Local Enterprise Partnership members on Transport for the North is to try and bring a business perspective to everything that Transport for the North does. And I find it quite rewarding uh, to give that business input alongside all the elected members. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, Peter, for telling us all about your career so far. Great to hear a bit more about your uh, insight and experience and, and, as you say, how you bring that business perspective alongside the other local enterprise partnership representatives to the uh, TFM board. Let's start by taking a look at your area of South Yorkshire in particular. Give us an overview of the types of industries um, that South Yorkshire has historically been home to and what that business landscape is looking like today. Well, South Yorkshire historically was a very large uh, coal mining community and was also very strong in in traditional steel making and heavy engineering. So when I started my career uh, in the early 1980s, 80s, the landscape in South Yorkshire was very, very different to what it is today. And as an accountant and an auditor, I visited numerous businesses um, in the 1980s, making things like castings, springs, machine tools, as well as steel makers, steel stockholders, scrap metal companies, 
engineering companies. Um, and that period with all the coal closures and steel rationalisation is probably now remembered as a bit of a depressing time. Um, but I actually remember it more for the people, to be honest, uh, the friendliness and the community that was there. Um, and yet businesses were closing. Uh, they were being overtaken by reduced demand due to heavy industry contracting and closing and also being undercut by foreign competition. But there was still that real sense of community in the offices and factories I used to visit. People were always very friendly, uh, very welcoming. Didn't always show it, to be fair. They used to put the auditors in the coldest and draftiest room in the building. Um, I don't think the auditors were the most popular people visiting the company. But there was always a cup of tea or coffee available. And uh, it was a very friendly environment. So when the large businesses were closed, uh, particularly the big coal closures that we, we faced, uh, or severely rationalised, as in the case of steel, it sort of left a business community made up mostly of small and medium-sized enterprises. Many of those, if not most of them, had serviced the needs of the coal industry or the steel and engineering industry, and they had to diversify very quickly to keep going uh, as that demand contracted. Um, oil and gas was expanding, so of course for a lot of them they were able to switch uh, to service that market and, and other engineering markets. The problem was that the size of that SME community was not anything like large enough to sustain the region's economy um, and so began a process of support from government uh, using public money uh, to create better environments, urban environments in particular, improve some aspects of public transport such as uh, this Sheffield Super Tram or the South Yorkshire Super Tram, which opened in the early 1990s. So some of the support was good and some of it was less than helpful. Uh, we had the World Student Games in Sheffield in 1991, which helped to redevelop the Lower Don Valley area, uh, the area around where Sheffield Arena now is. We had the Meadowhall Shopping Centre opened on the site of a former steelworks. Um, but the fact was that those really strong communities that we had, um, particularly in coal closure areas, started to crumble um, and parts of South Yorkshire struggled to stay afloat um, from a business and economic point of view because nice urban environments don't pay the family bills. You couldn't really replicate uh, heavy industry like coal and steel with any amount of public investment. Um, we had to grow the SME economy uh, and that's where initially at least we, we weren't particularly successful. I'm a huge supporter of regeneration through the provision of infrastructure, um, including transport. And so bodies like the Sheffield Development Corporation were very helpful in putting in new infrastructure and commercial development into parts of our region, particularly the Lower Don Valley. And Supertram was useful. Um, Equally, the improvement of rail services from Doncaster to London with electrification of the East Coast Main Line in 1991, I think it was, uh, was helpful, as was the introduction of new high speed trains on the train services from Sheffield to London. Um, but it was not enough and it barely touched uh, large communities uh, in South Yorkshire. We, we just had to grow 
the SME economy. So it's taken some time, but South Yorkshire has progressively developed its economy, still very much SME based, but with some great specialisms and clusters that have evolved. Advanced manufacturing, uh, the advanced manufacturing uh, centre in Rotherham on the border of Rotherham and Sheffield and metal technology in there. Uh, hydrogen, um, ITM power in Sheffield uh, is a, a world leader in aspects of hydrogen technology. Uh, nuclear fusion uh, at, also at the AMRC. Health and wellbeing technology um, led by Sheffield Hallam University uh, and the Olympic Legacy Park, really important in uh, in Sheffield. Uh, the rail sector in Doncaster is very strong, uh, very much a cluster and a very successful one, uh, along with digital communities uh, and specialisms in Barnsley and in Sheffield. And something that's often overlooked, but very important, is the very strong cultural and arts community right across South Yorkshire with the Crucible Theatre, um, nationally recognised and not just for snooker but for its quality of its productions often those transferring to the West End and further. So despite all this we still have many communities that have yet to see the full benefit uh, of developments and we still have a productivity lag against the UK average which we're trying to address. And the Local Enterprise Partnership uh, updated its South Yorkshire Strategic Economic Plan last year, uh, and that tries to tackle things head on. Uh, greener, fairer growth being at its heart. That means growth that is environmentally sustainable, but inclusive. In other words, not leaving any community behind uh, to share in the uh, wealth and opportunity that's generated by the new initiatives. So we want to continue to rebuild our economy. We have a plan, uh, but it has taken some time to get back from the shock caused by the ripping out of those major industries back in the 1980s. But we're making very good progress. It certainly sounds like it. Um, it's really interesting to um, hear about that, um, that, that history and that move from those traditional industries into um, the, the different options there today, yet still metal technology, advanced manufacturing still there, perhaps in different ways, moving on towards hydrogen and nuclear emerging areas. That, that was a, a really great um, look back, Peter. What would you say are the main benefits um, of setting up shop in South Yorkshire and indeed across across the north today for, for businesses? I think what I say here will probably be, uh, would probably echo across the whole north, um, that there are some key things which we have uh, uh, as assets in the north and in South Yorkshire. I'll start with an obvious one, which is quality of life, lower cost of living and higher spendable income. Um, we have um, natural landscapes, including national parks. Um, perhaps not many people know that one third of the city of Sheffield is actually in the Peak District National Park. And that's not something that can be said of many cities either in the UK or abroad. Mm. We um, have a really great pool uh, of talented people who are only too willing to stay 
in South Yorkshire and in the wider north if the opportunities are, are actually there. Um, they've come through some of the best universities in the UK. Um, and many of those universities are heavily involved in incredible research, given the chance for knowledge transfer into the private sector. We've got this great cultural offering, uh, both in South Yorkshire and across the north, uh, something that's well regarded as important to attracting and retaining good skilled people. It's not all about uh, the job. It's about the quality of life. Um, friendly people. We, we've got a real sense of community and we don't always recognise this. You know, saying hello to strangers in the street, uh, making eye or presently mask contact with people and calling them love, duck, pet, hinny, kidder. It makes us really special. Um, and whether that's politically correct or not um, these days, um, it is a sign of community that people um, recognise others um, in daily life. So beyond that, we have our great technology clusters um, and it's very important to attach like-minded businesses to supercharge growth. Um, we've got technology clusters across the north uh, and as our business communities are actually smaller than in the major international cities, including London, it's actually easier to get information via lawyers, uh, accountants, banks and other professional people to easily get to the right people to get people started on the journey. And I think we undersell that community aspect of business uh, in what we do. I think We've got underutilised skills. Uh, one of the statistics in uh, South Yorkshire that has emerged is that a lot of people are working in jobs that are below their capabilities at skill levels that are below the skills they actually hold. So there is that underutilisation of skills. And so if we actually grow our economy uh, through innovation and through better uh, and more jobs, we have got that pool of talent which we can draw on. And we've also got a dynamic approach to that skills development, including the new skills accelerator programme that's just been launched uh, as a private public initiative with the Chambers of Commerce. So we, we, we have a very attractive package to attract investment, not only from within the UK, but internationally. And one of the words I don't like is North Shoring. Um, this is this is sort of approach to the fact that we can take people uh, and put them in jobs in the north with lower wage rates but with no significant reduction in the fees that the ultimate client will pay uh, for the service. Um, I think the pandemic has probably um, changed that. We can now have people not only working from home or in a hybrid environment but actually we can have the main office of companies in the north with people south shoring actually just going to london for the appropriate business meetings mm -hmm. and for gatherings of uh, staff uh, when that needs to happen uh, and so i think the, the this whole move to working from home and hybrid working gives us that new opportunity that executive head offices don't need to be in london they could be in the north with people traveling to london so I think we should start to look at that in much more detail as the pandemic um, slowly works its way through. 
much more slowly than we'd all would want. I do realise that, but um, hopefully 2022 will be better than last year. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed on that one. You're absolutely right in that, um, you know, actually working from home and, and hybrid working and remote working will hopefully continue to allow different ways of doing business to utilise talent pools and different skills from right across the the, the country. So I think you're, you're right, that's a clear opportunity there. And um, moving on to um, transport itself, in terms of these potential future business opportunities within South Yorkshire and our region, how do you see transport enabling these and what specific interventions uh, would you like to see? Well, transport is a facilitator, uh, a facilitator of economic growth in a fairer, greener way, uh, as we have previously just mentioned. And not just passengers, uh, but freight as well. Uh, it facilitates uh, better productivity. So in our fairer, greener South Yorkshire, um, we want to unlock the potential of our people and businesses and places. And we're looking to grow the economy uh, through our strategic economic plan and to connect people and places to good opportunities. Uh, and to do that, we need a world class transport network across all modes, rail, bus, active travel um, and then air communications uh, for the international aspects of business. We're targeting support and assistance to businesses which are innovative and which help to sustain our mission of uh, greener, fairer growth. And so we're in the process of setting up an innovation board to even better coordinate the provision of support and to assist those clusters. Um, we've been huge supporters of TFN's plans uh, for Northern Powerhouse Rail, including routes in South Yorkshire, which are Sheffield to Manchester, Sheffield to Leeds, uh, Sheffield to Hull. And that also includes expanding our tram train service beyond Rotherham to Doncaster. We know from the information, the jobs and GVA benefits brought by Northern Powerhouse Rail. And it was a huge disappointment that the integrated rail plan for the uh, Midlands and North uh, really created a bit of a, a desert in most of South Yorkshire with none of our Northern Powerhouse Rail routes being taken forward. So um, we're working closely with TFN on that issue and also on many other issues, including the recently launched freight and logistics strategy, which is now out for consultation. We have significant logistics operations, particularly around Doncaster and decarbonisation of freight and other road journeys is very important to us. Um, on buses, uh, we're exploring an enhanced partnership. Um, the Mayoral Combined Authority is, is considering whether to launch uh, a look at franchising uh, of our buses. We, we need our bus network to connect people in these left behind places uh, to get those economic opportunities that we're creating to them. Um, the Bus Back Better scheme, however, from government is leaving the funding far short of where it needs to be. Um, on our super tram network, which is 30 years old, um, we have secured some 
city region sustainable transport settlement money to kickstart uh, the renewal, the next generation of uh, of Supertram. Um, and we have got plans to extend it. Um, I've already mentioned the disappointment of the integrated rail plan because uh, that lost us the chance to at least immediately open new stations in the centre of Rotherham and in uh, the Dern Valley, uh, an area which suffered particularly badly with coal closures. We have got an HS2 connection into Sheffield, um, but it's over an existing railway route from the East Midlands, and it doesn't really therefore do anything to enhance the capacity of our existing rail network. Um, on air, we're looking to connect uh, our part of the city region to international markets. And part of that is to work to continue to help development of our local regional airport, Doncaster Sheffield Airport, and particularly the development zone around it uh, with a rail connection that we're working on uh, to connect that into the main network in Doncaster. I think we need to see dynamic plans from network rail uh, to deal with rail congestion around Sheffield and Doncaster, which is constraining our ambition for more services. Some studies have been done on what needs to be done, and they were really helpful. But I think we've got the dead hand of the Treasury on top of everything at the moment, trying to clamp down and squash the ambition because of the lack of uh, available finance. And so what, what is being promised is a shadow of what we probably need. So how can transport help to deliver the vision? Um, well, transport for the North can help um, through all the initiatives it's progressing. And we have to use transport as a facilitator to deliver our plans, uh, particularly in the areas I've just described. So great to note that you're looking there at all different modes and you referenced multimodal a little bit earlier as well in the uh, the South Yorkshire plan. That's so important to have that, that choice, that, that connectivity to, between those different options and you finish there by uh, referencing some of the work of, of TFN. When it comes to these economic opportunities and the challenges as well, how does the One North approach that, that TFN has through, um, through the board help to improve business opportunities and, and, and drive, drive our region forward? We are really engaged with everything that TFN does and we fully subscribe uh, to the One North vision uh, and outlook. So it wasn't a surprise um, when the integrated rail plan was published. The, the response back to government was unanimous. Uh, all elected and all business representatives at the meeting rejected the findings of the integrated rail plan. Central government responded by saying that the response was political it clearly wasn't. It involved all the LEPs representing business. Um, and there's been a failure to engage subsequently with the business representatives. And worse than that, there have been sort of spin-based claims um, that government's already getting on with the integrated rail plan by linking it to developments that have recently occurred in Leeds and on the electrification of the Sheffield to London railway between Kettering and Market Harbour. Uh, both these things have nothing to do with the integrated rail plan. 
So it, it, it all speaks volumes and we know Treasury is behind the policy. Um, but we remain willing and eager to help government shape a better rail plan for the North, operating as one North. As one North, it gives South Yorkshire an opportunity to influence government policy on key matters like the integrated rail plan. Beyond that, the Northern Transport Charter, which was issued, was published by Transport for the North in September 2020, identified four One North themes, um, which were championing uh, an inclusive and sustainable North, uh, a long-term funding settlement for the North, uh, leading strategic transport delivery and putting the rail passengers of the North first. Mm -hmm. So all these dovetail with local policies on devolution and our policies in our SEP, uh, Strategic Economic Plan for greener and fairer growth. Uh, and as a member of the working group, working to implement the Northern Transport Charter initiatives, I find it really good to see that the jigsaw fits together. We, we, we have common ambition and TFN is helping us to get that message across to government in a coordinated and, and a unanimous manner because we all agree on, on the key initiatives. So the strategic transport plan of TFN identified with, with the right investment, we could create 850,000 jobs across the north and 100 billion of added uh, GVA. So the power of bringing towns and cities closer together and the agglomeration benefits, productivity improvements, skills sharing and much more means that the North is much better working together, will be much more successful working together. And uh, developments in different parts of the North contribute to that whole. So we work with Transport for the North because it benefits us and hopefully everyone else has the same approach. I know they do have the same approach, that One North vision. So transport is a facilitator of growth, productivity and innovation. And those things help us to deliver on those things. And TFN is absolutely key to it. Yeah, you, you, you're so right, Peter, in, in terms of that that jigsaw that that fits together because, you know, transport doesn't stop at, at county borders and, you know, people need to go further than, than their local area. So it really is that that big jigsaw and how the different pieces fit together. Turning to um, the social challenges that um, that South Yorkshire and, and the North face, how, how improved um, economic opportunities, assisted obviously by that uh, transport investment, how could that help with solving some of these, um, these issues that we've been talking about? Yes, um, a major social challenge in South Yorkshire is access to opportunity for everyone. We don't have enough young people progressing into higher education. Some recent statistics show that Doncaster, for example, uh, had a much lower percentage of people progressing uh, to higher education than, than York, just up the road. Uh, and there's also ample evidence that many people have skills and qualifications which are not being fully utilised. They have jobs below their skill level. So our strategic economic plan tries to address that 
and, and it's focused on greener, fairer growth driven by innovation. So as an example of the challenges, our former areas of prosperity, rural coalfield communities are poorly served by public transport. Uh, and that leaves them trailing even further behind economically. People don't have uh, the money for transport to higher education. They don't have the money to take transport to jobs. And by transport, I mean uh, personal transport. Many people cannot afford a car. The car ownership statistics in South Yorkshire are much lower than the national average. And when the bus service is poor or non-existent, it doesn't leave a lot of choice apart from active travel. And the distances involved in our communities to get to places of education and employment are often quite long. Uh, we have quite significant rural communities that are situated some distance from our towns and cities. So what we're got to look at in dealing with this problem of social and economic exclusion is not so much rail um, because commuter journeys uh, and our rail lines don't serve the whole region. It's about buses and active travel. So Mayor Dan Jarvis MP uh, recently appointed commissioners to undertake a, a bus review of South Yorkshire and I was pleased to be asked to be one of the commissioners uh, on that alongside eminent national experts. So we had a, a blend of people, um, experts from that have seen it across the UK, uh, me as a business representative, we had a, a youth representative and we had a representative of trade unions. So the findings were perhaps not surprising, um, a lack of funding being the key issue. Um, the budget of the South Yorkshire Passenger Transport Executive had been slashed by an eye-watering 40% over 10 years due to austerity imposed on local authorities. And to be fair, it was a wonder we had any bus service left at all, um, let alone the poor uh, bus service we actually had. So the problems with the bus service... Um, were much as you might have expected, uh, a lack of frequency, uh, a lack of reliability, a lack of coverage of key areas across the region, polluting vehicles, lack of network connectivity, people having to catch more than one bus or interchange between modes, uh, the complexity of tickets uh, generally and when you're switching modes or um, switching buses. And even planning policy alignment where new development has taken place, both residential and commercial, without a lot of thought being given to the public transport provision, which is absolutely essential to serve those new places of employment and communities. So, as with the rest of the North, we were initially quite excited by Bus Back Better. Um, we've committed to an enhanced partnership. And we've produced a bus service improvement plan, which is out for consultation at the moment. And it does what we think needs to happen to improve bus services, to try and address those social and economic issues. And then to hear that the national money pot 
is likely to be only a billion pounds uh, and not over three billion. This comes as a great disappointment. Um, it won't even put enough butter on the knife to cover a single slice of national bread. Um, give us the money and we'll unlock the potential. Um, we'll deal with these economic and social exclusion issues uh, that create so many issues for our communities, including health and well-being, life expectancy, even antisocial behaviour and so much more. Um, we must get to the communities to be able to better integrate them and to give them a better sense of purpose and ambition. We've got brilliant people who don't want charity. They want fairness. They want access to the opportunity which others can enjoy around the UK. They love their communities, they love their neighbours and they love their family. Um, they're proud of their community and rightly so. Um, we need the money. Uh, it's not expenditure. It's an investment to grow our economy in a fair and greener way. And I only hope that uh, when um, the bus back better policy moves forward, that the money will be made available to help us with the key mission that we have. Really interesting to uh, to hear the the talk of um, buses there, and I'll look up your uh, bus service uh, improvement plan. So so important, as you say, on so many levels. Um, buses as part of the uh, the public transport mix. You've touched on already, Peter, a couple of national sort of policies and and plans, the integrated rail plan and and, and bus back better in particular. What other national policy developments would you like to see to enable the North? to reach its full potential? Well, there are so many, it's hard to know where to start. Um, try to identify some key ones, really, then. I think devolution uh, is really uh, front and centre. Um, I've mentioned uh, the Northern Transport Charter, um, which includes Northern budget and a long-term funding settlement, so the North can decide its own spending priorities. Um, and it will help us with transport delivery, allowing the North to deliver its regional projects alongside delivery partners like National Highways and Network Rail. As I sit here, it seems further away than ever, um, given what has happened with the um, role of TFN in relation to the integrated rail plan, where the role has changed from co-client to co-sponsor. Um, not even clear precisely what co-sponsor really means at this point, but it, it appears to be a diminution of the role of TFN in relation to this key northern project. Uh, so on devolution, why can we do it better than Whitehall? Um, well, because we've got the knowledge and the ability to challenge on projects. We've got the ability to drive out cost and to better identify benefit. We've got within TFM, we've got amazing analytical tools and a body of evidence and data that's probably first in class. The power of this data and the use of it has been demonstrated throughout the Northern Powerhouse Rail project. Um, but unfortunately, we're now faced with that being moved uh, away from our direct control. So Certainly, devolution is a key issue in relation to transport. Uh, I've mentioned buses already. Um, we don't need to see a shifting policy. We need to see 
the resources, the finance being made available to back up what is the government's policy. And I think levelling up um, is the long overdue white paper. Um, not sure what it's actually going to say about the North's role, but it's absolutely critical that there is this commitment to investment in the North. Once Michael Gove um, gets past the dreadful uh, cladding issue um, and the policy is, appears to be getting sorted on that, we hope he can uh, really focus on this levelling up agenda. Because without levelling up and without the transport investment that we need, we're not going to get to where we've got to get to. I think government needs to get organised on decarbonisation of transport. Um, TFN's new decarbonisation strategy is a product of a lot of detailed work and consultation across the north. There was a great deal of consensus on what needed to be done uh, when I was putting together a response alongside uh, Sheffield Chamber of Commerce. And we were consulting with organisations like the Institution of Civil Engineers. The priorities that we, that I was identifying and that the Chamber was identifying were very, were actually similar. Um, and when the strategy emerged from consultation, it seemed that many other people had thought the same, that there were some key things that needed to be done um, and could be done. Such things as rail electrification, uh, the rapid progression of Northern Powerhouse Rail, um, the whole infrastructure on electric charging, and projects to do with HGV vehicles and decarbonisation of that sort of fleet, because that seems to be a very thorny issue at the moment in terms of what we will do about the lorry fleet. How can we decarbonise them adequately uh, in a region where the topography does not lend itself to battery technology? We have too many hills in the north, I'm afraid. We're not like the flatlands of East Anglia and elsewhere in the UK. So we need to see now how central government are going to step up uh, and give us the support we need uh, to roll out the work needed to get to net zero. And I'll also just mention one or two other areas. Um, the Union Connectivity Review perhaps hasn't had the attention it deserves. It came out around the same time as the Integrated Rail Plan, a report looking at um, the integration of transport across all the nations of the UK, produced by Sir Peter Hendy and his team. Um, many of the recommendations on transport matters, I think Transport for the North can support. And as a central government report, it's to be hoped that government will adopt those recommendations and move forward. So amongst them, there are some recommendations about the importance of access to our seaports, which very much aligns um, with a lot of the work we're doing. Uh, Sir Peter's talks about maximising freeport development opportunities by better transport links. Uh, the development of sustainable fuels, uh, something which we're very strong on in the north. And development of a UK net, which is a strategic UK transport network. Well, in that respect, we can save the government a job. Um, in the north because we've already got a superb and soon to be updated strategic transport plan and, and much more including uh, our work on strategic development corridors, northern powerhouse rail and a major roads plan. So 
finally, I can't let it rest that I must go back to the integrated rail plan, uh, a document that neither contained anything integrated. Uh, there was no vision of a network and how that network fitted together. Um, there was an expressed early de delivery ambition and yet a failure to look at many of the smaller scale interventions which would make such a difference to our economy. And an obsession with speed and not with capacity. Um, HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail were designed to open up capacity. Um, it wasn't all about speed and a failure to engage on decarbonisation in any structured way uh, and how we would deal with mode shift uh, and how freight in particular would be handled as part of this. So it wasn't a plan, it was more of a marketing and budgetary document. It didn't even follow the National Infrastructure Commission's recommendations, which were supposed to inform it. So it needs a review immediately. And I know that is something which Transport for the North has made very clear to government. So I think those are the main policy areas that I think are important at this point in time. What's really great, Peter, is in, in all of those different policy areas, TFN is already working, already setting out regional strategies and plans, having those discussions, challenging those things like the IRP. So we are already working on every single area uh, of this, which is um, obviously very uh, reassuring. So finally, to wrap us up, um, what's next? We've, we've spoken about the, the One North approach, the importance of that regional sort of jigsaw. We've looked at all of these policy areas where we're already working. How do pan regional bodies like Transport for the North now continue to champion the case for investment and highlight our, our region's full potential? Yeah, to do this successfully, Transport for the North needs to continue to have uh, the great team of talented and committed people it, it has got within its ranks. Um, uncertainty on funding for the body and on the future role, plus some messaging from government, which by implication seeks to undermine the valuable contribution of TFN, are a bit draining on morale, not only for the staff, but for all the other representatives who freely give their time, including the uh, LEP representatives. But um, if there's one thing the government can do, it's give us a multi-year settlement, tell us how much money TFN is going to have uh, and to recommit to our role. TFN must and will go forward uh, with one voice. This unanimous uh, response on the IRP was a clear manifestation of the commitment to One North. Uh, we have this unmatched database of information and analytical tools which are first in class and using those we can continue to present evidence-based advice to government and to continue to make the case for investment. It's no good just saying we should have something, we deserve something, we need something. We, we have that evidence-based advice to government, and that is what is powerful. We've got the tools to be able to prove our case and not just state our case. I'm, I'm confident that this constant drip, drip, drip of evidence-based water mixed with common sense will ultimately lead 
to the North persuading government that its vision for the North is the right vision and one that should be funded. Um, the excellent work done on the decarbonisation strategy and now the freight and logistics strategy shows um, a depth of understanding of the issues and the priorities which need to be progressed. And having this stands us in really good stead when we move to update the comprehensive strategic transport plan in the months ahead. So engaging with government at all levels, but particularly with ministers, is critical to the future mission and failure to agree to mission to, to meetings uh, by ministers after the IRP was a bit regrettable. Um, so the new chair of our organisation and the CEO, Martin Tugwell, um, are critical to the role uh, with government. Government's got to be reminded and will be reminded that TFN is the only body bringing together elected and business representatives from the North and therefore is representative of Northern opinion. The Northern Transport Acceleration Council, um, set up by ministers, is not representative as it cuts out the business voice. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I am so active in the, all the working groups of TFM, because I want to make sure that business voice is heard and is fairly representative of everything we put to government. TS, TFN needs to harness its stakeholders uh, across the north as well in a coordinated way. We've got key business representative groups and they are powerful ambassadors because they generally agree with what TFN is saying and doing and can provide further support to TFN in pressing the case to government. Uh, and work is already underway uh, in strengthening those connections further. I've been involved in meetings just in the last week uh, to try and coordinate that. Getting the message out to the, um, the public and to the media in a simple, comprehensible fashion is also important because we live in a world of information overload um, and simple messages on these key issues are critical uh, if TFN is to get people when asked saying, yeah, I agree. I agree that that's the right way to go. Many more engagement sessions are important, uh, including looking at ways to involve more representation from society in general in policy formulation and work is also underway uh, on that uh, to see how that can best be handled and working groups uh, to think about things like that uh, meet on a regular basis involving not just the elected members and officers but business representation as well. So TFN's got a vital role um, to champion the case for investment and is doing a good job to do that. Uh, and to highlight the potential that the region has. Thank you, Peter. Um, couldn't agree more in terms of the, the vital role that, that TFN has, that evidence-based passion, the dedication, the insight, the engagement, the bringing people together, so, so crucial. So um, yeah, plenty of uh, challenges and opportunities ahead of us and yeah, getting, uh, getting stuck in every single one of them. Thanks, Peter, for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the first in our Business Matters series. We'll be back very soon uh, with another episode and many more to come. I'll be speaking to many more of our TFN 
UN board members, as well as some of our regions, MPs, uh, business leaders, and many other industry experts as well. So thanks, Peter. I hope you've uh, enjoyed being on the podcast today. I have. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't forget, everybody, you'll find all of our previous podcasts on the website at transportforthenorth.com and you can stay tuned with all our latest information over on Twitter. If you search Transport for the North, you'll find us on there. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.